Welcome to the Bills Breakdown Podcast. I am Nate Schreiber, and as always, with my co-host, Alex Pollinger. All right, we're about three weeks out from draft time, so we got a little more mock draft stuff for you guys today. But first, we just want to go through a quick segment of some news over the last week. Nate, what do you have for us? Uh, the uh, There's a few trades this past week. The biggest one, I think, that I want to talk about is the Patriots. What the Patriots did trading Brandon Cooks to L.A. for another first-round draft pick. I thought that was a really interesting move, especially given that the Patriots just traded a first-round pick to get Brandon Cooks last year. Yeah, they kind of almost swapped him for more value than they gave up for him last year. I believe they got a pick near the very end of the first round last year, and they ended up getting the Rams' 23 overall pick this year. And now that they're armed with two first-round picks, you have to wonder, you know, is Bill Belichick looking for the franchise's uh, next quarterback with Tom Brady being 41 years old? That that's a good possibility. I think. I think one of the issues is they just don't have enough ammunition to get up in the top ten. You can't get into the top ten with twenty three and thirty one. It's just not going to happen. Um, even even if they trade next year's first, they probably can't do it. I, I can't see it happening. It'd have to include like Gronkowski or something to even have a shot at getting up there. Yeah, I, you know, to me, it just seems like Belichick is looking for a guy like Mason Rudolph that screams Patriots type of guy. So I would not be surprised at all if Rudolph is on the board at 23, if he ends up being their guy to sit behind Brady for a year, maybe two, and, you know, end up taking over the reins. Yeah. See, one thing that really frustrates me about any time the Patriots pick basically anyone, especially a quarterback in the draft, is you know if they go pick a quarterback in a few weeks, no matter who they pick, the media is going to be all about, this is the Patriots guy, it's the Patriots quarterback, it exactly fits what Belichick wants to do, yada, 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 regardless of who they pick. It could be anyone. And that's something that uh, has always bothered. It happened with Garoppolo, too, and it turned out pretty well with Garoppolo, but it just always happens with New England. Yeah, it seems like, you know, Belichick's kind of earned this with their sustained success over the last 20 years. With, you know, when they make a move that doesn't make a lot of sense to people, they kind of get the benefit of the doubt of, oh, what do the Patriots know that everybody else doesn't? Whereas, like, a franchise like the Bills would be chastised for a move like that that they have made over the past few years. So, I don't know. Ever since the Patriots, I think they overpaid for Stefan Gilmore at $14 million a year. To me, that started to be the point where, you know, maybe the Patriots aren't quite the same level that they were at, you know, the previous 15 years. You know, maybe they're starting a downswing a little bit. It just felt like a real reach when they spent on Stefan Gilmore. So I tend to not give them as much benefit of the doubt anymore. But, I mean, you never know. You have to see how these guys turn out. Yeah, with Gilmore, I mean, I I was mind-boggled that they paid him that much money, to tell you the truth. But he kind of made up for all of his, his slow start in New England, his struggles with that play he made in the AFC Championship game. Um, and if they won the Super Bowl, it would have been very easy to say that signing was worth it, regardless of how he did in every other game he played for them. Uh, so, but that's not another thing that happens, I, I feel like, when guys go to New England. Every Buffalo guy that's gone to New England has had some play like that that they've made. Like Hogan, well, not Gillisley, I guess. Hogan, um, Gilmore, all those guys. They, they go to New England and they do something. Eric Lee. Great. Eric Lee. Oh, yeah, Eric Lee, I forgot about him. Yeah, I was going to say, I was trying to think of guys that hadn't, and I, the only one I can actually think of is Gillisley. It seems like a lot of the time when these Patriots guys that come out of nowhere, they kind of make one play or two plays that they're, like, immortalized as. Like Malcolm Butler with the interception in the Super Bowl. I've never really seen Malcolm Butler as that elite type of corner that people make him out to be. I think it's just the fame from that one play, you know? He's obviously a good corner, but I think it's really overblown because of what people remember from that Super Bowl against Seattle. Yeah, well, and if you're really an elite quarterback and Bill Belichick knows you're an elite quarterback, don't you think you're going to play? Yeah. Like, I, I just don't – unless there was some really egregious thing that happened, I feel like if, if that was the case, we would have already found out about it. So, so, somewhere would have leaked it, it would have gotten the news. So if it was truly a personnel decision, then I, I tend to trust Bill Belichick's player evaluation skills. All right, so we're going to deb- or debut a new segment this week. Um, as you guys know, Nate and I like to kind of take the emotion out of our analysis of the Bills. You know, we love the Bills, but we try not to get too upset or worked up about things. We like to, you know, have a little nonsense with our sports. So, 
Nate's going to surprise me uh, with a new segment here with Browns fan Ben. Yeah, so we have we have Browns fan Ben on the line. Browns fan Ben, are you there? How are you doing today? What's up, guys? How's it going? We are doing fantastic. So Alex, like we said, Alex said has uh, he has no idea what uh, you're going to be talking about. The only thing I told him is that it is, you know, we're going to stay NFL-related at least for, for this week. So let's start with... What are you going to be talking about today? So a little uh, little idea I, I kind of came up with, um, actually yesterday while I was sitting at work. So I want to do a couple takes that I that I have on this season that I are probably you know in the in the minority of what people think about what's going to happen for the upcoming NFL year and, and kind of get your thoughts on it. Maybe stir up the pot a little bit. I know you guys can get a little into it, so so maybe stir up the pot a little bit with a few of these takes too. So, so are these takes that you – they're like um, takes you think are going to happen, like you think they're going to happen, or things that are, are kind of long shots, but th- they're things that you would lean towards happening? I guess there's there's probably one that I would say is, is maybe – and I'll let you guys pick out which one that, that might be. I'd say there's one that's probably, I would say, likely. Um, and then there's two that are probably a little out there and, and may, may – you know, people may think I'm crazy for thinking the other two. So, so one, that's, one that's maybe a little bit more realistic than the others. You have to remember, he is a Browns fan, so the crazy kind of is assumed. But let's hear your first. Let's hear your first take. So first, first, first take and take I'm, I got some confidence in is the Los Angeles Rams finished the season with the best overall record um, and headed into the playoffs with home field advantage. Um, reason being here, and and just a little background is if you just look at the Rams off season in a nutshell. I mean, look at some of the pickups they've made. They got Akib Talib, Marcus Peters, and Dominic Sue Cooks. They already have Gurley, already have Goff. I mean, their line played extremely well last year for those guys. Um, you just think about Cooper Cup still being in the mix there. You pair up Aaron Donald with Sue. I mean, you're going to have a top-five defense and, and probably and likely a top-five offense. It's going to be hard to beat the Rams next year no matter where you're playing. Yeah, it really feels like the Rams are all in on this one season given how much they're going to have to pay some of those free agents in 2019. It, I don't think that's really – too crazy, Ben. I mean, the Rams were good this year, and you know, they're kind of taking the guys that are really talented that nobody seems to want because of the character issues. But you know, Sean McVay seems to be welcoming those guys in the door. You know, that's going to be interesting with Tlaib and Peters out on the field at the same time. You got two insane people playing corner. And that's the one question about my take: is do these personalities match together well to get some wins, or does it all blow up in their face in the third week? It's hard to tell. Um, but yeah, you talk about. I mean, Peters. Tlaib's obviously was a captain for the Broncos, but has has some on-field issues. Nadama King Sue, I mean, everybody knows about him. Um, so it, it's just really hard to tell at this point. But, yeah, this is probably one of my takes that's not so far out there, but also a little interesting. Yeah, one, one thing I will I, – I do agree uh, that the, the Rams, they should be, at least on paper, the best team in football next year, as long as everyone stays healthy. Another thing I will add to your take is I, I will agree that they're going to have the best record in the NFL, and I also predict that they're going to lead the NFL in fines and personal fouls. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a, a possibility there. On top of this take too, just to throw it into the mix, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and, and give uh, Jared Goff the early nod for NFL MVP as well. And reason here too is he's anchored by a solid defense. We're not gonna see a defender win the MVP. It's it's unlikely, and he's gonna have a lot of the ball. I mean, they have Gurley, so it takes a lot of pressure off him like it did this year. He's got more weapons out wide. Obviously, Gurley's a monster coming out of the backfield in the passing game. I just see Goff putting up some insane numbers this year. Yeah, I think that's, you know, we tend to overthink how much, you know, quarterbacks have to do with winning on teams like that. I mean, Carson once had a really good year, and he probably would have won the MVP if he didn't get hurt. But it just goes to show, you know, that you can win a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback in Nick Foles when you have a super talented team like that. But, you know, how the NFL votes on MVP is by, you know, team with a winning record, best quarterback. And, you know, I think that's probably a pretty good assumption there, Ben. If the Rams do end up with the best record, Goff's probably going to put up some monster numbers on that team. And I don't think it's going to be because Goff is the best quarterback in the league or the most valuable player. Like you said, they're just stacked everywhere. Yeah, it's it's like looking at an all-star team at this point, honestly. I mean, there's not really a weak spot on this team that you can see and, and say, okay, there's the spot where they're going to be bad. It's it's There isn't one. I mean... Cooper Cup is probably, you know, he's no longer a top wide receiver for the Rams. You know, top wide receiver being he's not he's not their go-to guy. He's still a force on offense. I mean, 
their line, their offensive line may be a little bit questionable as far as, you know, who's on it and how good they are, but it's there's nothing on this team that sticks out as, as something that's a weakness. It, the only the only thing I can maybe see as a weakness is they don't have the Sammy Watkins style receiver really anymore. They have a lot of guys that are good at similar things. They have a lot of guys that are really good at similar things. But do you think that could potentially be an issue for them? I I'm not exactly sure because you think about this. So what is Brandon Cooks known for? He's a deep ball receiver, good hands, ton of speed. He's gonna break off big plays. That's Brandon Cooks. I mean that was Brandon Cooks in his past career. I don't know. You know you'll assume he'll be the same. And then you have Cooper Cup, who's about as sure-handed as it gets running, you know, 8- to 10-yard drag routes, curls, comebackers, and he catches everything in the red zone. So, you know, I think that's where Brandon Cooks maybe falls off a little bit, and you have Cooper Cup who picks up the slack there. And then, you know, you just hope for a little bit of consistency out of tight ends, third wide receivers coming out of other sets, and, and hope they make some plays here and there. And then he's got, you know, one of, if not the best receiving backs in the league in Gurley. So I don't, I don't know necessarily if that's a big issue, losing Sammy Watkins or not at this point. I think without Cooks, it may have been a problem, but at this point, it's hard to tell. Yeah, and we, yeah, we can't forget about uh, former Bills wide receiver Robert Woods, who just played outstanding for them last year until he got hurt. And I think if Woods stays healthy, you know, that's a guy that can put up huge numbers in that offense, you know, provided that Cooks can be that, you know, take the top off the defense type receiver that Watkins was, you know, to let Woods do his thing in the intermediate routes. That's what I was going to say. Is, 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 it's possible, uh, in all honesty, that Woods might be the best receiver on that team. Yeah, over, as an overall package, that may be true. Um, but a guy who's going to get, as a guy who's going to get the, the hype and the news and shit on ESPN, um, I think that it's more Cooks, probably. You know, you just look at people who are going to draw some attention. It's going to be Cooks. For sure. So, moving on from the Rams, what is your second take for us to, to, to talk about today? So, the second one, um, obviously, you know, as, as they mentioned, I'm a Browns fan, so it's got to be about the Browns. Um, my second take, I've kind, of, I've kind of bounced around the idea of how many wins I want to predict for the Browns or what exactly I want to predict for them because I could say, yeah, the Browns are going to go for four wins this year. Who, who cares? They had zero last year. Of course, we're going to predict something. Um, but I'm actually going to go so far as to say the Browns are going to go 8-8 eight and eight this year. And if you listen to the reasoning, it's not that far-fetched. I mean, it's a little bit out there, but it's not that far-fetched. So you pick up a very solid quarterback in Tyrod Taylor. Um, I know Bills fans are sort of split on how good he was and how good, and, and that sort of thing, but a very solid quarterback in Tyrod Taylor, a guy you can win. Uh, you get Jarvis Landry, get Carlos Hyde. Um, the Browns are going to get a good draft. It's going to depend on the management, but some of the moves offseason have shown me that I think that the GMs are going to make good choices as far as how the draft goes. So probably get a pretty good draft. You know, I would, I would hope for a quarterback one, and I'm, I'm pulling, the, pulling for Saquon Barkley four. We'll see what happens. Um, you take Miles Garrett. You take Aldi secondary. And you also take a cupcake schedule. And eight and eight is not so far out there. It's, it's, it's a stretch, but I think it's something that, that could happen this year. So as I'm, as I'm sitting here looking at the Brown schedule, I actually had not looked at it prior to right now. Um, and, and sitting here looking at it, I can see – I can see five wins for sure, like that. I'm 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 pretty certain the Browns are going to win these five games, and I can certainly see eight eight happening. I, I I can certainly see eight happening given their schedule. I mean, they get to play. But I guess it kind of depends on how some of the the teams on their schedule if they bounce back or not from struggles last year. Because the, the, those teams being the Bengals and the Buccaneers, but I can certainly see eight wins. Yeah, I, don't don't discount the Browns in that division either. I mean, the Steelers are, are good, yeah. Um, don't discount the Browns against the Bengals and the Ravens this year. I think those are going to be some games that surprise a lot of people. I would not be surprised if the Browns in those four games go 3-1. and one. I would not be shocked at all. The Bengals are going to be weak this year, I would I think. And then the Ravens, I mean, the Ravens are the Ravens. It's really boring football. It always is. Um, if the Browns can put up some numbers, the Ravens can't. I, I, honestly, as a Browns fan, I, I can say this. The Ravens are probably another little additional take to my take. The Ravens are the most boring team to watch in the NFL, and that's that's almost a fact at this oh, point. Oh, absolutely. I mean, in that last week of the playoff, or regular season last year, I think everyone in the NFL outside of Ravens fans was rooting for the Bengals to win that game to put the Bills into the playoffs. Nobody wants to watch Joe Flacco throw for three yards every single play and score like 10 points the whole game. I know the Bills yeah. scored three points in the playoffs, but 
You guys ready for a take that's gonna send your eyebrows off? Uh, sure, throw it out. Let's see the Browns got. are gonna finish with a winning, winning record this year. <laughs> Stuff like this scares me as a Browns <laughs> fan because I get my hopes up. I'm like, ah, yeah, we're going nine and seven. The playoffs aren't out of the question. You know, we're zero and five after the first five weeks, and I'm like, what the heck was I thinking? Uh, so. While I while I love the take and I love that somebody's got some confidence and the Browns having having a pretty good year, um, you know if I'm saying eight and eight, I guess nine and seven is a winning record. It's only one more game, so you know how far out is that? How far out is that from what I said? But okay, all right, I I respect it. I respect it. And I th- I think I think it's possible if they can win some of their their more they have to pull off a couple of home upsets to, to do that. I think because they have to either beat like between the Falcons, Chief, between the Falcons, Chiefs, Chargers, and Steelers, they probably got to win two of those at home to, to, to finish 9-7, and seven. but it's, it's not like it's not possible. Yeah, I mean, and last year there was, you know, the Browns finished 0-16, but the, there's too much talent on that team to go winless. You know, just Miles Garrett, you know, and the offense is pretty stacked now with Landry, Josh Gordon, yeah. Carlos Hyde, yeah. Tyrod the Taylor. <laughs> I mean, I know a lot of Bills fans aren't a fan of Tyrod Taylor, but it's hard to see how he doesn't take a step up in that offense with much better receivers than he's ever had in Buffalo. And, you know, I kind of jokingly say they're going to have a winning record, but I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. You know, I'm rooting for Cleveland. You know, they're kind of like Buffalo where they've been the laughing stock of the league for a long time. And, you know, it, it'd be nice to see the Browns have a winning record and make some noise for once. And Browns front office personnel, if you're listening, please, 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 Go get OBJ. We have the picks to do it. Go get the man. Um, and just another note, too. If you think about the Browns' defense quick, you know, you met Miles Garrett's probably the most notable name on that defense as far as guy with a lot of hype, who everybody knows he's supposed to be a stud, all that stuff. Think about some other names in the Browns' defense that are, that are poised to have good years. You think about Jabril Peppers. Can't play any worse than he played last year. He's an athletic talent. He's going to play better. Christian Kirksey. Every down linebacker for the Browns, captain of the defense, phenomenal player. Jamie Collins, quiet last year. Um, they Collins, Ogba, and Garrett only played on the field together for five minutes last year, which brings me to Emmanuel Ogba, who's the other DN. So you think about the outside rush and, and the interior defense and a little bit, you know, the cornerbacks maybe a little bit to be desired there, but I think the defense is, is you know, again, poised. They, they were decent last year. They're poised to be very, very good this year, you know, barring any unforeseen circumstances. So one question for you uh, related to the Browns then. Um, if you were the Browns GM and you're picking you, – so you, have, you have one and four. Who are you picking number one? Yeah, see, this is a question that I honestly disagree with. Probably every single draft expert, Browns fan, everybody – Number one overall, I'm taking Saquon Barkley, no questions asked. And the, the reason being is that there's only two more picks before our next pick. You know, there's there's three, four top-tier talented quarterbacks in this draft. You've met all of them. If you can at least realistically see all of them being decent, you take Saquon Barkley one overall and you wait to take your quarterback four. That's my thought there, and it's it's definitely an unpopular opinion. Hey, the draft experts don't really know anything. I mean, we've <laughs> Nate and I have discussed this on previous pods. I mean, I think McShay and Kuiper both guessed four out of 32 picks correctly last year or something ridiculous like that. So, I mean, they don't know shit. I mean, Browns fan Ben knows <laughs> just as much as these guys do. It's all speculation. Yeah, and, and, you know, if they don't take Saquon one overall and he goes between, you know, to the, the Giants are probably the top contender to take him. You know, will it bother me? Probably more, more so than I think it will. It'll, it's gonna, it'll be one that, that kind of stings a bit because Saquon is is that good. You know, probably a, a once in a you know five ten year talent coming right out of school. You know, it, it'll be hard to see him go somewhere else. I think. Would it sting as much as Owen sixteen? <laughs> I don't know that one. That one didn't surprise me. You know, one in fifteen, zero in sixteen is not a big difference. So you know, I didn't expect much. That's the easiest part about being a Browns fan is you expect you know maybe like a couple close games here and there, and then you get blown out like fifteen times through the year. So it's not really uh, it it doesn't sting too much. You know, two zero in sixteen years in a row though. Yeah, that that one will sting. <laughs> All right, thanks for joining the podcast, Browns fan Ben. This has been fun. Yeah, absolutely, not a problem. Uh, 
always a pleasure to, to hop in and give some uh, give some opinions that are maybe a little bit more from the the bottom of the league versus the you know the, the middle tier where you guys kind of sit so all right yeah thanks thanks again for joining us we will definitely have Browns fan Ben back on in a future pod and we will uh, continue to let him choose the segments and, and have some fun all right guys have a good one thanks for having me thank you all right bye all right, so now we'll transition back into some Bills talk. We gave you guys some nonsense, uh, some opinions on other stuff going on around the league. Singed your eyebrows a little bit with uh, some Browns 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 and seven records. So, you know, let's move back to some Bills talk. You know, we saw that Todd McShay has reported that the Bills are trying really hard to get up to number two. I don't think that's any secret. Nate, do you think, you know, there's any chance the Bills can get up to two and if they do it, will they do it before the draft or will it be on draft night? I'll start with the first question which is can they do it? Uh, I mean, yeah, they can do it. The question is how much is too much to pay? That's the, that, I think that's the question you have to sit here and ask yourself as, as a fan and if you're actually in Bills front, the Bills front office is just how much is too much? Is three first round picks too much? Because if that's the case, you're, you're probably not going to get to two. Is three first rounders and a second rounder too much? It, that that's what I think we have to we have to think about. Because I think it's probably going to take at least three first rounders and two more early round picks to get the two at least. And I don't know if I'm comfortable with giving up that much. And, and as as to the question of whether or not they're going to do it before the draft or on draft day. Uh, I think there's a good chance if they're going to go to two, it could happen before the draft because if you're going to two, you know who you're going to take. Or you, you have two guys that you're equally comfortable with. You like them both the same, and you don't care which one falls to you. That's kind of a scenario you have to be to go before draft day. Although if you only have one guy that's at like the very top of your board and he's so far above everyone else, you only try to go to two on draft day if he's sitting there. Yeah, and this is kind of a unique year where – there's not just one, maybe two quarterbacks that people are really high on. This is, you know, if if these guys shake out, the speculation is that, you know, this is going to be one of the best quarterback classes we've ever seen. So there could be two or three guys that you really like and you'd be happy with where in the past, you know, if, if you miss on that top guy, there's no point in trading up for, you know, an inferior quarterback. And, you know, that's what we talked about in the last pod where we ranked, you know, we came up with an average, basically, of our rankings of the three quarterbacks, or the six quarterbacks, and we had three that were really comfortable with the Bills taking pretty high. And, you know, I, I think it's just a really unique draft year where there's so many different possibilities of how things can shake out. So I think for Mock Draft 3.0 here, Nate, do you want to go through, like, say, three rounds, and, you know, we won't do any trades for this one. We'll just uh, take the best player available. Yeah, we can do that. I'm I'm down for that. I think three rounds is good right now. Um, th- three three or four rounds. I- I'm actually curious to see what kind of, what players are going to be left available at the end of three rounds. So that this will be fun. All right, so we'll move through uh, the first round. We'll kind of tell you who everybody's picking after that. You know, obviously, you don't want to hear every single name that's coming off the board here. Again, this is firstpick.com. If you want to go and play the game yourself, um, so Browns are on the clock. First pick here. Can you uh, share your screen with me, kind sir? I can. I believe I am sharing my screen. Hold on. Oh, here it is. I did not see it. That was the problem. <laughs> okay, we're good. This is the beauty of trying to do editless pods here for anyone interesting and started interested in starting their own pod. So first overall, Saquon Barkley. They listened to Browns fan Ben this time around. Interesting. I haven't seen this yet from FirstPick.com. Neither have I. It used to happen all the time back like a couple of months ago, but recently it has not been. The Browns have pretty much either been taking Darnold or Allen every single time at number one. So after Barkley, the Giants took Darnold, the Jets took Rosen, Cleveland took Chubb. They didn't even take a quarterback. They took, you know, what's widely considered the two best players regardless of position. And then Quentin Nelson went five to Denver. So, Nate, we're sitting here right now where the Colts are on the clock, followed by the Buccaneers, Bears, 49ers, Raiders, Dolphins, and then the Bills. There's a good chance that Baker Mayfield slides down to us unless someone trades in front. Yeah, Baker Mayfield's 
certainly not going to get picked by any of the teams that are sitting here right now. So, yeah, I think it's possible. I actually saw a mock draft yesterday with the Bills getting Mayfield at, trading up to nine to get Mayfield. So I, I think it's possible that he falls like this, on a scenario like this. Um, the one thing that I will say is I did see a report yesterday that the Giants are the only quarterback the Giants are comfortable with, according to this report that I saw, is Sam Darnold. And if he's there, they're taking him. Otherwise, they're going to take Barkley. So I, I thought that was a little, an interesting little tidbit. Uh, from the news this week. All right, so we said we weren't going to trade up in this draft. We are not going to trade so up. So we'll yeah. just we'll see how things play out. Picks six through ten here. So Marcus Davenport going as high as six to the Colts here. The Bucks took Derwin James. Chicago took Taven Bryant. He's you know gone up in the top ten. That's the first time I've seen that on FirstPick.com. The Niners take Roquan Smith. That seems to be the popular pick for the Niners, and it makes a lot of sense. You know, they need a really good linebacker, and Roquan Smith is that. And Vita Vea went to Oakland. So here we are sitting at 12. There have been no trades. I can't imagine that happening on draft day, but stranger things have happened. So the Dolphins are... And the only team now that might trade up here to the Dolphins spot, I think, is Arizona. So that's what we have to be. I think that's something that can potentially happen right here. Yeah. And, Nate, if you're the Bills on draft day and this happens where Baker Mayfield is still on the board at 11. Do you swap picks with the Dolphins just to make sure you get them if that's one of your top three guys, if you're Brandon Bean or Sean McDermott? Yeah, I think I think you have to feel it out a little bit, see how much you trust the Dolphins. If they're telling you no one's going to trade, no one's trading, no one's trading, then no. I mean, but if, and if you trust them. Uh, but what do you think it'll cost them on draft day to get up to – 11 from 12, like an extra third rounder maybe? Yeah, so last year the Bears moved up from 3-2 to two with the 49ers, and they got absolutely swindled by the 49ers. That was great GMing by them. It's The, the cost to move from 12 to 11 is much less than 3-2. to two. So I guess it really depends on what other offers are on the board for the Dolphins. Like say if Arizona wants to move up, how much are they going to offer? Because if you're the Dolphins and you can acquire, you know, a second or a first round pick from the Cardinals to move back only four spots, then why the hell wouldn't you? Like, so I I don't know. I think the Bills might have to give up multiple picks. You know, maybe a one late in the second round and maybe that 65 from Cleveland just to move up a spot. I think that's too much to pay. I got. I mean. If you have to, if you're trying to get your quarterback, you, you, you go get your quarterback, but I do think that's probably too much to pay. So let's let's see what happens here. Alright. So the Dolphins stayed on the board and took Leighton Vander Esch, the linebacker from Boise State. So here we are sitting at twelve with my favorite quarterback in the draft. And Nate, I believe he's your second, right? He's my second. He's on the board, so I mean we know what we're doing right here. We're taking Baker Mayfield. And that's an absolute steal, in my opinion, if you can get Baker Mayfield at twelve. I mean We've gone over it in previous pods. That's just that's a dream scenario if that's one of the Bean and McDermott's guys. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Baker Mayfield falling at 12 is just insane. It's absolutely insane. And the Bills didn't have to mortgage any picks at all, so now we're sitting here with a slew of first, second, third-round picks. Didn't have to give up anything at all. So now we can just sit tight at 22 and take the best player available. And I think Baker Mayfield was the best player available there as well. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. He he was the best. Well, he was the best quarterback available. I guess it depends on how they rate um, quarterbacks versus position players. But for the Bills, quarterback's the most important position, so he's probably the best player available. All right, so following the, our pick at 12, the Redskins took Tremaine Edmonds, linebacker from Virginia Tech. Green Bay went Minka Fitzpatrick. I think that's a good fit. They need to you know improve that secondary. Arizona reaches for Josh Allen at 15. And then the Ravens take Connor Williams, the tackle from Texas. The Chargers went Maurice Hurst. And, you know, it's a bit surprising Phillip Rivers is aging. You know, you'd think with Lamar Jackson on the board and Anthony Lynn as the head coach, that could be a real possibility there. So I'm surprised to see Lamar Jackson still on the board. Yeah, and I don't see anyone picking him necessarily uh, in the rest of the first round. Maybe New England could. I could see New England doing it at 23 here, maybe. And what I'm hoping now for the Bills is that Mike McGlinchey is going to fall down to 22. Yeah, so last week, I believe it was Mock Draft 1.0, where we took McGlinchey at 12 and got Rudolph at 22. I think this is an even better scenario if you get Mayfield at 12 and McGlinchey at 22. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. Certainly it is. All right. So we'll skip through the next few picks here. Seattle went with uh, James Daniels, guard from Iowa. DJ Moore going to Dallas. That seems to be you know a reoccurring theme here on FirstPick.com. Deron Payne falls all the way to 20 to the Lions. Denzel Ward just went in front of us at 21. Nate, if he was on the board at 22, I could make a pretty good argument that that's the best player available. I think you could as well. I think you'd have to. It'd be one of the things where is it more important to shore up a, a brutal right side of the O line, or is it more important to add the best player on the board? That's 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 the discussion that you have to have. All right. So when you come up on the board here on FirstPick.com, there's teams that can offer trades to you, and we've got a boatload here offering at 22. You know, presumably some teams may be looking to come up and get a quarterback. Miami is offered something a little bit crazy here. They've offered number 42 and number 73 overall this year for this pick in a fifth and a sixth round. I mean, if you're the Bills GM, you know, maybe you take this if you just want to plug more holes. But as we said, the rules for Mock Draft 3.0 are going to be we just take the best player available and don't make any trades. I think that at this point in the draft, the best player available is McClinchy, I would have to say. Yeah, so Nate, we'll open up the draft board here, and we'll just go down, you know, maybe some other names that you could argue could be, you know, the best player available. Mike Hughes, the cornerback from UCF, is on there. Lamar Jackson is on there. We've already got our quarterback, so we're not going to take him, even if we thought he was the best player available. We still have Kelvin Ridley. Kelvin Ridley. Yep. I think... And, and Calvin Ridley is an interesting one um, because I've seen plenty of mock drafts with the Bills taking Ridley at 22 after taking a quarterback at 12 in scenarios where they stay put at 12. Yeah, there's not. I don't think there's a ton of top-end talent at wide receiver in this draft. We could be wrong. I just think there's a lot of depth since we're doing a three-round draft mock draft here that we can get a guy in the second round that I value pretty highly. I agree with you. Mike McGlinchey is the best player available here, and he's the best player that fits the Bills' needs as well. So this seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, I, I completely agree. All right, so we shored up that right tackle spot that we've been griping about for three or four years. Now I'm really curious to see what the Patriots do here at 23. Because remember, they traded up to, with the Rams to get to this 23 uh, pick the other day. They took Kelvin Ridley. It's interesting. So they just that, they trade away Brandon Cooks. And they go get a rookie to replace him. So Brandon Cooks is still on rookie contract, but he's going to get absolutely paid after this next season. You know, so I guess that makes sense in terms of value that you just swap wide receivers for you know, another rookie contract. Yeah, absolutely. But in the in the way that the Patriots have valued wide receivers over the years, I can I can think of one wide receiver they've actually said, okay, we'll pay you whatever the heck you want to play for us in the last 15 years. And that was a guy by the name of Randy Moss. And I, don't, I just don't think that they, they really value wide receivers that highly. You see anyone you put with Tom Brady, they do pretty well. Yeah, so after uh, the Patriots, we had Cincinnati. They must have traded down from 21. I must have missed that. So they traded down to 24, and they took Mike Hughes, cornerback from Central Florida. That's a good fit for them. Tennessee took Jared Alexander, cornerback from Louisville. Cincinnati, again at 26. There must have been some wacky trades going on that we missed. Uh, took Sam Hubbard from Ohio State, and then New Orleans just took Rasheem Green, defensive end from USC. So we'll round out the first round here and just tell you who teams picked, and then we'll fast forward to the Bills' next pick. So the Chiefs took Nathan Shepard, defensive tackle. Jacksonville took Dallas. Is it Godair? Goder? I Godert, Dallas Godert. Yeah, that's that's a really good pick. They need a dynamic tight end. They could really use a quarterback not named Blake Bortles as well. <laughs> that, that that dude is just crazy, crazy athletic though. So he he is he'll he, he'll be fun uh, fun to watch the NFL. Nate, so we're sitting here at the. Sorry, I'll finish out the rest of the first round here. The Vikings took Will Hernandez, guard from UTEP. Uh, New England on the board again at thirty-one took Harold Landry, uh, D end outside linebacker from Boston College. Then the Eagles load up with another wide receiver in Christian Kirk. I think that's a really good value for them at 32. But we're sitting here at the end of the first round with two quarterbacks you know, that we think are first-round talents still on the board and 
Mason Rudolph, and Lamar Jackson. And I can see this scenario happening. It, it, I mean, if, we, if we're at 12 and only two quarterbacks are off the board, or yeah, two quarterbacks off the board at 12, I can certainly see Rudolph and Jackson falling out of the first round because teams are going to see, oh, there's not a run on quarterbacks. We can wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and still get the guy we want. Nate, so I think we won't completely fast forward to the Bills pick here just because I want to see where those two guys go. So well, so remember, Cleveland did not pick a quarterback yet, and they have the second pick uh, of this round, or the third pick, I mean, of this round. Okay, so there was some insanity here. It looks like Denver traded up to get Cleveland's number 33 overall. They took Lamar Jackson. Oh, that is interesting. I mean, th- that is interesting. Denver needs a quarterback, needed a quarterback. And, and I see Cleveland down there at, at the third pick taking Kyle LaLetta out of Richmond, and Mason Rudolph is still on the board. No love for Mason Rudolph. That makes me a little bit upset, but we, you know, we don't get upset about sports on this podcast, so... <laughs> We'll move on and see how far Mason Rudolph slides. Still on the board through pick 42. And, and so my favorite running back uh, just went off the board in that last set of picks, um, Sony Michelle from Georgia. I absolutely love that. Guy. Harrison Phillips just went at you know pick 14 in the second round. That's insane. You know We've been saying this for a couple weeks now. There's going to be a lot of good talent that falls in this draft. It's a very deep draft. I, I I would agree with that. So DJ Chark just went off the board at pick twenty in the second round, right in front of us. I would have made an argument that that might have been the best player available, just without even looking at the board, because the Bills do need, you know, a top flight wide receiver. And I believe it was Chris Sims that said he thinks Chark is the best wide receiver in the draft. Did you see that the other day, Nate? Yeah, I did see that, and and Chris Sims does does like DJ Shark a lot. I think the the, wide, the opinions on the wide receiver class are very varied this year. Uh, it's kind of all over the place where where guys ha- who who they have ranked top wide receiver and, and things like that. Um, so looking at what is available now, I see oh I see the guy I would pick um, immediately. He, he jumps off the board at me. I wonder if you're thinking of the same guy, uh, Alex. Is it Dante Jackson? No, not Dante Jackson. Really? Um, okay. Not Dante Jackson. It's an offensive player that I really, really, really like. Um, I think we talked about him a little bit back on our third or fourth podcast when we talked about uh, offensive skill players. Are we talking about James Washington? No, I'm talking about Mike Jasicki from Penn ah. State, that tight end. Um, he is just ridiculous. Ridiculous. And he ran a four five forty four one shuttle and has a forty two inch vert. Um, like we're talking about, remember when we talked about um, every team that, that that wins championships has some crazy athletic tight end? Yeah. This is the Bills' crazy athletic tight end right here. Okay, so you think he's the best player on the board? I don't think he's necessarily the best player on the board. I think he is the best player on the board that fits a major need that the Bills have. I mean, I think Dante Jackson's probably the best player on the board. Here. Yeah. So let's just keep in mind, we are at round two, pick 21, which is 53 overall. We also have pick 56 overall. And, you know, if we're both in agreement here that Dante Jackson's the best player on the board. You know, we know Trey White's been pushing for the Bills to draft him, and I think he's coming in for a visit, or he already has. You know, this is a real possibility here if he's still on the board at the end of the second round. Yeah, so, so given that we pick, again, in three more picks, I think it's safe to select him here. All right, so we have, you know, two really good cornerbacks now, both from LSU on the roster. Vontae Davis might even be able to play the slot. I, I'm pretty happy getting Dante Jackson at 53. So now, you know, we can move on to 56 and take the next best player available. So in between our picks here, we had Marcus Allen, the free safety from Penn State, and Frank Ragnow, the center or guard from Arkansas go. So now, I don't. I like your ideas of going with Mike Jacecki here. I also like um, James Washington, the wide receiver from Oklahoma State. So I do. I like James Washington a lot too. And I think if the quarterback that we had drafted was Rudolph, then James Washington is certainly the pick here. Um, I think with it not being Rudolph, it, it kind of you have to kind of think about value is a, a, a really, really good tight end 
more valuable than a above average receiver because I think compared to the rest of the players in the league, Mike Jasicki is going to be a better tight end comparatively than James Washington is a wide receiver. Yeah, and I think that's a good point, Nate. I will point out that Ronnie Harrison, the safety from Alabama, is still on the board and firstpick.com has him projected as a day one prospect and he's still on the board almost at the end of the second round you could potentially make the argument that he's the best player available but I think this is one of those cases where you know we just drafted another defensive back and the Bills don't need a safety so I'm pretty comfortable going Mike Jasicki here alright let's do it alright so just to recap through two rounds what we've done we've got Baker Mayfield, Mike McGlinchey Dante Jackson and Mike Jasicki. So, you know, we've plugged a lot of holes here, and this is just an absolute dream scenario if you're a Bills fan. Yeah, so I, the one hole that we really need to, to, to be concentrating on filling, in my opinion, uh, in the third round, the two holes, I think, in the third round are wide receiver and middle linebacker. I think are the two most important positions to try and fill with our next two picks. I also think if there's value at defensive tackle, we could take that as well but there was kind of a run on those positions in the first round, and there might be a bit of a drop-off after Harrison Phillips, I think. Yeah, and all the guys that I'm familiar with and have watched some film on have already been drafted. I'm not, I mean, I know their names, and I know a lot of the guys generally, their characteristics and stuff, but I'm not as familiar with, with the names that are left. Yeah, we can just do, like, all the draft experts and just, you know, fake it till we make it here, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do that sometimes, right? All right. So we're on the board here with Cleveland's 65th overall pick that we got for Tyrod Taylor. And the name that jumps off the board to me immediately is Deion Kane, the wide receiver from Clemson. So one thing about Deion Kane, first of all, Deion Kane had an unbelievable combine. Unbelievable combine. And I think that's part of why he has shot up draft boards because um, he wasn't looked at as a day two receiver I don't think prior to the combine but he does a lot of things very similar to what DeAndre Hopkins did when he was at Clemson and Clemson wide receivers have done pretty good in the NFL uh, the last five six years I mean Sammy Watkins when he was healthy was really really good is, and is Martavis Bryant I think Kane, a Clemson guy too uh, I think yes he is he, he is, yeah. So the Clemson's been a wide receiver factory the last five to seven years. So I, I would I would be thrilled to get Deion Kane. Um, the one thing you do have to be a little careful with him is how much his stock shot up when he was at the Combine versus what people saw on tape. And that that's not always – that's not to say that he's not going to be a great NFLer, but you have to just realize that there could, he could uh, need some work before he produces anything. Kind of like, I think, Zay Jones. I think Zay Jones will, is a similar scenario. He's going to maybe struggle year one and, and be able to come out year two and make a difference. Right, and we don't want to take a guy just because he's a Clemson wide receiver that performed well at the Combine, and other Clemson receivers have been good. That's just poor logic. You know, you have to, like you said, look at the tape. I think he's a decent wide receiver. Um, Cortland, Sutton, Cortland Sutton's still on the board here from SMU. Yeah, actually, like, there's actually two SMU wide receivers that I really like. Uh, the other guy is Trey Quinn. Um, he's a, Trey Quinn's a smaller guy, and he's probably going to be maybe end of the third round, fourth round pick. But he is um, reminds me a lot of Wes Welker. He he plays very similar a very similar style. Never gets touched, never gets hit. Runs over the middle field really really well. I like him a lot. But Cortland Sutton is another guy that um, Cortland Sutton's a bigger receiver, kind of the mold I think that the Bills the Bills need. Um, a, a bigger guy who can be a downfield threat because Calvin Benjamin's a bigger guy who is more of like a red zone threat. They need that downfield threat. All right, so we're also sitting here at 65, and Mason Rudolph is still on the board, which is just absurd. So if we were actually taking the best player available, we would take Mason Rudolph. I know there's some insane people out there that say just keep drafting quarterbacks until you find one. I think that's dumb, when especially we've seen how teams can come out of nowhere with mediocre quarterbacks. And you know, even the Eagles winning with a backup quarterback because their roster is so good. So just from a roster building perspective, it makes no sense to draft two quarterbacks in the same draft. Yeah, I mean you've seen it succeed, I guess, once in recent history with the Redskins. We took Robert Griffin the third, and then Cousins, and Cousins actually ended up having a better career. But they, they took Cousins what in the fifth round? I think he was a fourth, fourth round, round guy. Yeah. Yeah. So 
I mean, if, if Rudolph is still there, like, in the in the fourth round, for whatever reason, and the Bills took him, I wouldn't be upset about that. Um, but I don't think it's necessary or advisable to do so. All right, so what do you want to do here? Are you, I think we both want to go wide receiver just because I think those are the best players on the board right now. It's just a matter of preference with Deion Kane, Cortland Sutton, or James Washington. Who's your vote here? I would vote for, for Cortland Sutton. Um, I, I think Cortland Sutton has a, he has a lot of wide receiver one traits. Um, he, he, he does a lot of things really, really well, and he could certainly be a wide receiver one in the NFL. He just it, It's going to depend on kind of how he develops. I think he's more of a boomer bust type of guy, but his, his ceiling is ridiculous. All right, so let's take Cortland Sutton. We'll give Baker Mayfield another weapon to go with Mike Jasicki, and you know he's got his right side protected by Mike McGlinchey now. Nate, I think we're doing a pretty good job of roster building here. Even if all these guys didn't shake out to be great players, it's probably better than what the Bills have at those positions now. So now we have to fall. Yeah. So one, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. One one thing that's one thing I was like to say is you expect right. You expect when you when you draft a player, you just got better at that position. Um, immediately better at that position. You probably don't want to draft that guy. All right. So now the Bills have the 32nd pick in the third round here. So we'll skip up to that. We'll take a look at what's on the board. You know, we're not going to pretend like we know a ton about these guys on the board at this point. No one really does except the scouts. So here we are on the board. Deion Kane's still here. And and that's something when you, you look at, and you, you could, I guess, go uh, another another wide receiver. But I just don't think, and Mason Ruff's still sitting there too at this point. It's, um I uh, I do think that linebacker is probably the biggest need we still have to fill. It just is the is the value there. Yeah, looking at the board here, I don't see any value at linebacker. You know, there's quite a bit of defensive ends and defensive tackles on the board. I don't see a ton of value there either. What I am interested here, Nate, is running back. You know, there's quite a few good running backs on the board. Royce Freeman from Oregon, John Kelly from Tennessee, and Rashad Penny from San Diego State. I know some people are really high on Rashad Penny. He's pretty elusive. He almost runs a McCoy style. Is that fair? Or am I stretching it a bit? I I think that's that's fair to say that a similar style. I mean, he's not obviously as good at it as LeSean McCoy is, but it's a yeah, it's a similar style, and I think that's something the Bills actually want to stay away from. And when they draft, uh, if they're going to draft a running back, I think you want to go with a slightly more grind grind it type player because you don't want to spell McCoy with two different guys, right? Um, you don't want to spell McCoy with a guy that's similar to him and then also use one of the th- 5,000 other running backs on the roster to spell him other times. I think that's. I think you, the Bills want to try to stay away from that, and having a style that's too similar to McCoy could make it easier for defenses when he's off the field. Right, and I'm just thinking long-term here. We know McCoy, he could only have one year left in the tank. I mean, he is going to be 30 years old. Yeah, that, that's a, that is a good point. Um, so you, you could draft a guy that's very similar to him if you think he's going to end up being a superstar, and he maybe not get a lot of touches this year, but you could learn behind Sean McCoy. One guy that I, I'm actually curious who is, if he's still on the board, is Josie Jewell. Is he still on the board? Let's go take a look because uh, first pick kind of just lumps who they say are the best players on the board. So we'll go. I th- he should be listed as an inside linebacker, right? Correct, yeah, because if he's still on the board, he's a guy that I would be very interested in at this point in the draft. I haven't seen his name, but oh yeah, there he went. He went, he went uh, pick 27 to, to the Saints. Okay. All right. So so he was a guy that I, I would have probably picked at that at that point um, yeah. if I were the Bills. I, I think another guy that – another linebacker that I really like and I think you really like too is Shaquem Griffin. Oh, yeah. Um, I completely missed him. I, 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 I think he's a, he could fit at this point in the draft as well. Um, and I think he, he, he he's needs, kind of like the needs, Swiss Army knife type of linebacker that you'd want. Yeah, he um, he he generates pressures, pass rushing, ridiculous rates. I mean, that's something that who knows if he can keep doing that in the NFL. Um, but because of his size, he's a little undersized. But he does so many things pretty well, especially only having 
one hand, but he's going to have to play off ball. He, he's an off ball linebacker, so this doesn't fill the middle linebacker need the Bills have if we were to draft him here. It fills a, a linebacker need because they need help at linebacker, but he's not a middle linebacker. Right. So I see him playing nickel package with Matt Milano. And as we know in the NFL, you're playing nickel a lot these days. And if you can line up Shaquem Griffin with Matt Milano, you've got two really athletic linebackers to cover and play those zone coverages or pick up tight ends or backs. And that's something that the Bills just desperately needed last year. And, you know, I'd be really happy to take him here, you know, the last pick of the third round. Yeah, I, I, I'm happy with this. This is a guy that I actually really hope ends up in Buffalo uh, as well, as on a personal note, as well as on a football note. All right. So we're done with our three-round mock here for Mach 3.0. Just to recap, we got Baker Mayfield, Mike McGlinchey, Dante Jackson, Mike Jasicki, Cartlin Sutton, and Shaquem Griffin. We did some pretty good roster building here, in my opinion, Nate. We, you know, the Bills would still lack, you know, defensive tackle, de- defensive end depth. I don't think that's as big of a deal now. I think they're pretty solid at defensive end, but you know, likely would need a defensive tackle at some point in this draft unless you plan on spending, you know, a first or a second round pick in 2019 on one. I think you need to get, I mean, yeah, you have your starting defensive tackles right now, right? You, you know your two guys are going to start defensive tackle, but I think you need to add at least one more. Uh, and I think this draft is a good place to do it. a late round pick in the draft. You don't need to spend one early unless the guy you really love is there. Uh, I think just adding someone you think could be uh, a contributor in the draft is, is something the Bills should do. Yeah, and like we said, we, Nate and I are all about value. The value just wasn't there at any point for defensive tackles. There, you know, there was kind of a run on them between pick 12 and pick 22. Uh, so, you know, the, there wasn't really any guys we were super high on at 22 for that. And, you know, this shook out pretty well. This is an interesting, you know, variant of FirstPick.com's mock draft game. You know, I, I'd, if you're a Bills fan, you have to be pretty happy with this draft. You know, we shored up right tackle, got the quarterback of the future, got a couple of weapons to improve, you know, the offense for that quarterback. And we also plugged a couple of holes on defense. Yeah, I am thrilled with, with how this draft shook out and, and what we got. I, I think it's important when you draft a rookie quarterback to – Give them as many weapons as you possibly can uh, for their, if you're going to plan on playing them as a rookie because you don't want to put them out there with nothing and then hope they succeed. You want to give them the best possible chance to have a successful start to their career. Yeah, so I think that brings us to an end of Episode 10 of the Bills Breakdown Podcast. We went through Mock Draft 3.0, and you know we had a little bit of fun with some nonsense with Browns fan Ben, so we'd love to hear some feedback on how you guys kind of like Mixing in some nonsense with our usual Bills takes and analysis. We like to keep it lighthearted around here. So if you're still hearing a regular listener, you probably like that type of stuff. But, you know, feel free to email us at BillsBreakdownPodcast at gmail.com uh, to give us any segment ideas that you'd like and, you know, any other feedback you have for us. So, like we said, that brings us to an end of this episode. I'm your co-host, Alex Pallinger. And I am Nate Schreiber. Uh, like Alex said, send, feel free to shoot us an email for any segment ideas uh, for any of our upcoming pods. Make sure to subscribe, download, and give us five stars wherever you get your podcast so others can give it a listen and we can keep growing our community. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time.